0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 30th of December 2012, entitled The Gift of Peace. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. What I'd really like to focus our attentions on this morning is simply the gift of peace. Peace. Luke chapter 2, I'd like to take our main reading this morning. Luke chapter 2, the familiar Christmas story beginning in verse 1. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy and precious word as we begin reading in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, suddenly There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. Father, we thank you again this morning the time that we can have together. Thank you, Lord, Lord, for the simple things that we often overlook, just the health and the strength, the freedom and the privilege that we have of coming together here today. Father, we thank you for your word that we have to read, for your spirit that lives within, that you've promised will give us understanding of these words. Father, we pray today because, Lord, even in this small congregation this morning when so many are away, Lord, you know the hearts of each individual. You know the needs of everyone that is here. And Father, we fully admit that we realize that we have nothing today that can meet those inward needs that each one may have, but we pray and we depend upon you, upon the power of your Spirit, Lord, to take your word, to speak the words that need to be spoken here this morning, to use thy unworthy servant, Lord, that you may be able to reach out all the different hearts, all the different needs and accomplish that which you alone can accomplish. Father, may we be receptive and responsive to whatever you have for us. We truly will give you all the praise, all the thanks, all the glory for it. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I mentioned just in passing last week that when we look into God's Word, we find that it was a message of peace that came with the Lord Jesus Christ when he entered this world, and that it was a message of peace that he offered when he left this world to go back to the Father. And that was just in passing, probably with some of these thoughts that I was already working on in my mind, but, you know, it goes even farther than that. We find in that chorus that we sang earlier, we sang the words really from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 that even the message of prophecy that came here some 700 years before he came in that manger. It said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder." And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And that final title, The Prince of Peace. Now we mentioned those things some last week, and the fact of, yes, some of that is looking to his birth in the manger, but some is looking even beyond that to his second advent into this world. But it was a... Message that hundreds of years before he came to this earth, that he was going to be the Prince of Peace. And of course, then we read in our reading here today from Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, when the angel said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. If you turn just a few pages further in your Bible, you find that in the gospel of John chapter 14, verse 27, as Jesus is preparing his apostles for him to leave this world and to go back to the Father, as he's made that wonderful promise that he's going to send another, that comforter, that paraclete to to come alongside, to be with them. He makes them this promise in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We know that the apostles were already frightened. We know that they were afraid of what was going to happen. They're afraid trying to understand why he's going to leave them and all of these things, but Jesus promises to leave them a peace. And we could look even further ahead in prophecy, and we could find that truly that government being upon his shoulders and that prince of peace in his full reality will take place at his second coming when He will be the Prince of Peace, when there will be true peace upon this earth. And that's what we anticipate and look forward to today is to thank God because He came to us the first time. He came to save us from our sins. And because of what He accomplished for us at Calvary and those sins having been dealt with, we can know that there is peace that we can look forward to. We can look at many things today and peace is something that always seems to be so evasive. I was actually shocked, but the problem is is that one of the statistics that changes so quickly that it's hard to even come up with an accurate one. It's when you try to look, I mean you know when World War I was fought they thought that that would be the war to end all wars. But it wasn't many years later that World War II followed and that was to be the war to end all wars. And yet when you begin to look, and you begin to look at the thousands of years that have passed, and the very few years that there has ever truly been peace. As a matter of fact, we can even take just our own continent, just take Europe. There are very few years in history When somebody hasn't been fighting somebody, we say, you know, what is this message of peace? I'm reminded of, of course, someone from across on the other side of the Atlantic that became president of the United States, and his name was Herbert Hoover. Now, Herbert Hoover became president, and... He was one that, you know, as many times can come in politics, there was a point when he was at an absolute pinnacle. When I mean, he was one of the most popular men in all the world. But there came a point in his presidency, because of decisions and choices that he had made, that he became just the opposite, one of the most unpopular people in all of the world. A question was asked of him, a reporter asked him once, said, Mr. President, how do you handle criticism? Do you ever get agitated or, or tense because of all of the criticism that comes towards you? President Hoover simply said, no. Matter of fact, he seemed almost surprised by the question. He said, of course not. But the reporter went on, when I was a boy, you were one of the most popular men in the world then for a while you became one of the most unpopular with nearly everyone against you didn't any of that meanness and criticism didn't it ever get under your skin he said no he said i knew when i went into politics that i might expect i knew what i might expect i knew that when it came i wasn't disappointed or upset he lowered his apparently familiar, very bushy eyebrows, looked directly into the reporter's eyes, it said, and he says, besides, I've got peace at the center, you know. And what he was talking about was that center that comes within. Inner peace can only come when we look to God, our source. Peace is the gift of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the one speaking to his disciples said, peace, I leave with you my peace, I give unto you. So we might ask, well, where is that peace? We look around us at the world and we find that as we look at the world, it's not just peace on the national scale, but in individuals' hearts. We see so much bloodshed. We see so much craziness. We see people taking their guns and their bombs and just going indiscriminately and and blowing each other up and killing each other. And we say, where in the world is this peace? I mean, it was peace that was promised before he came. It was peace that was promised when he came. It was peace that was promised when he left. Is it just that peace of the future that we have to look forward to, when Jesus comes back, when it's he that is sitting upon the throne? I don't believe so. I believe that Jesus left us a peace that we can have in our hearts right now. We find that the promise of Jesus, the peace that he offered, he gave one negative sense to that when he said, my peace I leave with you, but he said, not as the world giveth. Not as the world giveth. I'm not talking about what the world can give you. What does the world see as peace? Well, we could go through a list, but you know, sometimes it's just relief from responsibilities. The responsibilities that seem to be piled upon us can sometimes become so great that we just need a bit of relief. Sometimes, the loads of life that we seem to be having to carry. We just need those loads to be lifted a bit so that those those burdens sometimes just seem to be getting us down so much. Have you ever felt like you just needed to get away from it all? I like what Sister Jean said earlier. said a lot of times this is the week when pastors are on holiday. I thought about escaping if I could have worked it out. I might have, but I knew you'd be expecting me today and tomorrow. But sometimes we all just just need to get away from it all. Even Jesus had to come away from it sometime. That's part of the the human flesh that we live with. You see, sometimes people have dreamed of this peace of escaping. Maybe to some South Sea Island, some deserted place where there's absolutely nothing that can invade our peace. We look around us today, the battles rage in the homes. We find that so many times we find more families broken, we find more marriages not working, we find more children being abandoned. You see, The problem is sometimes people just want to get away from the present situation so much that they just do anything they can to escape. We find that so many will turn to things of the bottle. That's just like our missionary that we heard from this morning. Brother Kelly there in Dublin working with the addicts. It might be the bottle, it might be the drugs, but People try to escape that way. They try to find some way that'll just take life's problems away. But you know, a bottle doesn't remove them and the drugs don't take them away. It's kind of like so many times when you go to the doctor and they can't figure out what's causing the problem, but they'll give you some pain medicine that'll take away the pain and you're grateful for that. But it hasn't done anything to resolve the problem, it's just masking it. We find that so often the peace that people can find in the world, you see, it doesn't get to the root of the problem. It doesn't go to what's really causing the problem. It just maybe masks over them temporarily. But the devil has a purpose behind it all. It's called destruction. <laughs> ultimately, ultimately, I promise you. Ultimately, he wants to make it worse. But he wants to give you this false sense of security right now, this false sense of peace, if you would. So many times, we just kind of maybe think we wish life didn't have to be so difficult. Just things weren't so tough. But in fact, it seems that so many times the epitaph that would have to go up on many of those headstones would simply be peace at last because they never found it in this world. You see, if you would, I want to give you just just, just three thoughts that kind of cover this idea. The first of all, this one that we've just been talking about here, first a definition, and then an observation, and then a presentation. A definition of peace, which is what we are looking at here This is the definition of the world. It can come in all kinds of ways, but we just need peace from so many different things, and it can be different things in all of our lives. And the reality is we will all in this year ahead, there will be times when the going may be a bit tough. There may be some burdens that we have to carry. There may be some real responsibilities that we have to shoulder, but what I want to just remind you this morning is that Christmas is about the gift of peace. Sure, we've shared the gifts under the tree. We've shared the gifts with one another. The idea behind that is to show our love and to show people that we care. But it's because we were given the greatest gift of all when God gave us his son. And that son, it's only in him that we can find this gift of peace that he has offered to each and every one of us. And I believe a peace that you can have right now, not just the one that we'll have during the millennial reign when Jesus Christ is reigning and ruling and everything is as He alone can make it to be, but that peace at the center, that peace from the heart that can be yours at this time. So if we define that peace in that way, I want to give you secondly... Not only a definition in the world, but an observation in the Word. An observation that we find in the Word of God. Now, there is nothing in Scripture. We've talked about this many times from different Scriptures. There's no promise that we're going to be sheltered from all the bad things. That there's not going to be some in our lives There are going to be trials, and we've looked at times past why some of those things come. That all things really do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. There are no exceptions. All things. God has a purpose in it all. And if you belong to God, then He has a purpose for whatever it is that's allowed in your life at this time. It might be for your growth. It might be for your learning. And sometimes it may be for your chastening because you have gotten out of line. But it's for your good. You know, each and every one of us are being conformed day by day more into the image of Jesus Christ. You see... Christ was not an escapist. He was an overcomer. He was not an escapist. You see, all the issues. He knew everything that lay before him. We sometimes fear what might be before us. And They say usually about 98% of that never comes true anyway. We just fear for the sake of fearing. But recognize, Jesus knew. He knew what he was facing. And yet, he walked straight forward into all the issues, all the challenges, all the burdens, all the conflicts, all the difficulties of life. He walked straight forward into them. We find that Jesus Christ himself took all of those difficulties onto the cross with him. There's nothing that we can taste, nothing that we can go through that He hasn't taken for us. You see, the world would teach us that we need to get away from it. But Jesus says, I'm with you right in the middle of it. Folks, we don't need to go looking for trouble. We don't need to go looking for more pressure and and more stress and more burdens and all these things in our life. Enough of those will come naturally. But remember, Christmas is about the gift of peace. Jesus promised to leave us his peace. Christianity is not an escape mechanism to avoid the problems of life. Matter of fact, he tells us that if we live godly, we will suffer persecution. He tells us that there will be tribulations. He speaks of us being crucified with Christ. But I want you to realize something. Sometimes the world thinks that, oh, you religious Christian folks, that somehow it's some kind of a psych deal. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not something that's real. It's something that you're just psyching yourself up. It's some kind of a, <coughs> a superficial piece because you're not facing reality. The truth is, is because we have the most real thing in all the world, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So we kind of have this idea of what peace is and what we want and, and, and how it's evading us all the time and how that we all need it at different times in our lives for different things. And we certainly observe from scriptures The problems are real, and difficulties are real. Tribulations are real. I don't want to give you finally... You see, the presentation by our Lord. We're talking about a peace that the Lord gave us. I remember also reading about a dramatic moment in World War II... General Douglas MacArthur, who was pretty well known during the the conflict and the battles, the very first words that apparently that he spoke of peace following the signing of the treaty. And I quote his words. He says, Today the guns are silent. The skies no longer rain death. The seas bear only commerce. Men everywhere walk upright in the sunlight. The entire world is quietly at peace. A new era is upon us. Even the lesson of victory itself brings with it profound concern both for our future security and the survival of civilization. The destructiveness of the war potential through progressive advances in scientific discovery, has in fact now reached a point which revises the traditional concept of war. Of course, those first atomic bombs, and we know how far that we've come since then. He says, men, since the beginning of time, have sought peace. But military alliances, balance of power, leagues of nations... All in turn failed, leaving the only path to be the way of the crucible of war. We have had our last chance. If we do not now devise some greater and more equitable system, Armageddon will be at our door. The problem is basically, this is a general that had just finished fighting one of the most horrendous battles of all time. He said the problem is basically theological and involves a spiritual recrudescence and improvement of human character. It must be of the Spirit if we are to save the flesh. You see, the simple truth is, is that we can blow each other into oblivion, and nations do that. We begin, I mean, it didn't begin it, right through the Old Testament, right through the New Testament. We find that men fight, men are in battles, and it's, it's been part of our lives. But the simple truth is, is that peace will never be found in the flesh until peace is found in the Spirit internally. Jesus said, My peace I give unto you. Stop and think about this. It's it's just a simple, you know, the the little words matter so much. Jesus promised to give us peace. But he's the one that said, my peace I give unto you. This is Jesus despised by the masses. Forsaken even by those that were the closest to him. Rejected. Lied about. Beaten. Offered up to be crucified the most horrible death that could be known in his day. And yet, stop and think that Jesus, after every thing that had happened to him after the way that he had been treated, after they had nailed him to that cross, even there on the cross in the midst of that, he had such peace in his heart that he was praying for the forgiveness of the ones that had put him there. My peace. My peace Jesus said. That peace that will allow you to face anything and everything in life no matter what. A peace that comes as a gift of God in Jesus Christ. There's nowhere else to find it. There's nowhere else to get it. That's the peace that was spoken of before he came. That's the peace that was promised at Bethlehem. That's the peace that he spoke of at the Last Supper with his disciples. You see, that peace was finished for you at Calvary. And it's offered to every believer today, perfect love casteth out fear. We're so afraid. We get get so downtrodden just because of circumstances and the bad things and the hard things that are going on around us. But you see, to that husband that's out of work, the man or the woman, that's wondering how they're going to pay those bills. That one with the health problem, the the, the invalid, the ones that the doctors have, have given up on, they say there's nothing else that we can do for that confused young person. Boy, life seems so confusing. There's so many choices. Where do I go with my life? What's out there? How do I face all of these things in the future? This time of the year is one of the most difficult times for those widows and widi- widowers that have that have lost that person that is such a part of their life. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. You see, the simple truth is Jesus said, "My peace I give unto you. My peace His peace, the peace that can only come when it is He alone that is at the center of our hearts. You know, sometimes it gets almost, you know, mind-boggling how that He can be in us and yet we are in Him. And folks, that's the way that salvation is. Our only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father seeing us in Christ. But that same Christ that I'm in, that the Father sees me in, He's the one that lives and dwells within me in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's there. He's just as real as when He was walking upon this earth in His flesh. He's upon this earth today in your flesh, in the flesh of every believer. That's why it's so vital that we yield ourselves, that we give ourselves to Him. What kind of peace? I give you these simple thoughts in closing. Well, one of the things that usually frightens us the most is we just don't think that we can handle it, whether it's physical, whether it's monetarily. It comes down to adequate resources. (laughs) Do we have what we need to face that problem, to face that issue? Well, I used the illustration here some years ago then I should have thought and brought my checkbook with me this morning. You see, I, 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 I do have a checkbook. It stays on the shelf most of the time because most of us don't use those things anymore. We're all plastic-oriented now. But we can still write checks. Now, if, if I were to write you out a check this morning, and I just, you know, I just wanted to help you out, and maybe that check was for 100 pounds. You'd probably be all excited that, wow, you know, that's 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 nice, that's generous. <laughs> you think about when you could get it to the bank to get it into your account. <laughs> if I wrote that check for maybe 200 or 500, you might be even a bit more excited. But what if I wrote that check for half a million? Truth is there might be something else that would overtake the elation, and that would be the, the wonder, the doubt. <laughs> Has he really got half a million in the bank? <laughs> that, that, that check isn't any good if there aren't any resources in the bank to cover it. Or a million or two million or whatever. There comes a point when you think, there's no way. I know he doesn't have that much money to cover it. But now if that same check for half a million, if instead of it being from me on the account of Larry and Jane Curtis, maybe it was upon General Motors Corporation, Ford Motor Company, some big, big multinational company in this world that, you know, is peanuts to them. I mean, it's nothing. Then you might still be excited because you figured they would have adequate resources to cover that check. It's probably a good check. That's what we've got to grasp. Let's remember you do have adequate resources for whatever it is because our resources are drawn on the bank of heaven and there is no shortage with Jesus Christ. He's the one that's promised to supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory, praise God. It's not ours, it's his. We find that probably one of those verses that So many young Christians first memorize is Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by what? By Christ Jesus. By Christ God will supply all of your needs according to his riches by Christ Jesus. You see, the gift of peace that is given to you, that the Lord Jesus has given to you, it is a peace that has all the adequate resources. There is no chance. It is an impossibility. If there's anything that's impossible in this world, it's impossible for God's resources to run dry, for him not to have whatever it is that you need. And he's there. That's the resources that are behind you. You don't have to worry about not making it to the end. He's already promised, boy, that great passage in in Romans chapter eight. I mean, you've already been justified. You've already been glorified in God's eyes. It's a finished done job. Nothing can stop it from happening. The peace of adequate resources. There's also... A peace that comes, that can again, can only come. You see, you're only going to, you can't get the resources of God behind you except by Jesus Christ. There's something else that's vitally important, and that's the resources of a clean heart. There is no peace with an unclean heart. There is this barrier to peace which is called S-I-N. It's a barrier. You can't have both at the same time. Now, a lot of well-meaning, educated psychologists in this world try to get people to cope with their guilt. But somehow to get past that guilt. The simple truth is, folks, is we're supposed to feel guilty. (laughs) When we sin, That's the built-in magnet. God wants us. We should feel guilty. The problem is when we can go out and we can commit sin and we can do these things that are contrary to God and not feel guilty about it. You see, we can talk about it and we can analyze it to death, but that won't remove it. That won't take it out of the way. It's kind of like earlier when we talked about that pain medication and the natural booze and bottling ways that men go to escape. The simple truth is all the psychology in the world, and sometimes people need help. I'm not saying that, but all the psychology in the world will not remove the sin. And if the sin is there, we ought not to remove the guilt. We need to deal with the guilt by getting rid of the sin. And Jesus is the one that can do that. Christians, Many times there's things in our lives that just need to be gotten rid of. We're not feeling at peace because even as a child of God, when we allow sin to come in our lives and we won't deal with it, what was it that John said? 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. He said that if you'll confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we get in Jesus. We can look at many places, but what I want to realize this morning, listen, you want that gift of peace that Jesus has given to you? You need a clean heart. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of it. Don't just try to analyze it and try to cover it over and try to figure out some way that you don't feel it, get rid of it and you won't have it anymore. You won't have the guilt if the sin is gone. And Jesus is the only way to get rid of the sin. The gift of peace, the one that's provided for you in Christ, is a peace of adequate resources, peace of a truly clean heart, the peace of, Call it what you want to, fellowship. I'm talking about just walking hand in hand with the Lord. You know, do you know, do you know how peaceful it is when things are, you know, the sin's gone. There's no barriers. Wherever you've come from, whatever problems that you've had, He is enough when things are right, and and. On the one hand, too, to be walking hand in hand with the person that you care for and love more than anybody in the world. I mean, even here in this life, there's an inner peace. You don't feel that when you might be going on that walk together, but you're sure not going to hold hands. (laughs) There's a barrier there. There's problems. There's difficulties that haven't been dealt with. I'm talking about a peace that comes when you're just at one with him, when you're hand in hand with the one that you love, the one that's the dearest to you in all the world. That's the kind of peace that Jesus has given to us. You see, Jesus, Jesus is always in the middle, isn't he? (laughs) He's right here, and it's like he's got one hand in hand with the Father and one hand in hand with you. (laughs) And you're just all walking through life together. Hand in hand. We find that the Bible teaches us that we become sons of God. That we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We sing that, that, that song sometimes. I'm a, I'm a child of the King. Not just any King, but the King. I'm a child of the King. And I don't know about you, but I've had—I've had burglars break into our house in King Standing a few times. And funny thing about burglars, they come in. They always want to take something back out with them. They've taken some things. They've taken things that sometimes were maybe reasonably valuable in in uh, in man's eyes. Things that were sentimental. Things that were valuable. But you know. There's one thing they can never, ever, ever. They could come and take everything out of that house, but they can't touch what's in my heart. <laughs> they can't get to that peace within you. That's what I want you to realize this morning. We've probably received a lot of great gifts. This time of year, there's more burglars than ever that break in because they know that there's a lot there, and a lot of new stuff. But if they took every possession you've got, let your peace be Within, let it be something that the world cannot get to. The gift of peace. I hope that you've received it as an individual. I hope that it's not something that's just elusive that maybe you've heard about and you know about these religious things, and maybe you've gone to church. And you do I'm I'm talking about having that peace that can only come in Jesus Christ, having Him in your heart. He did come in a manger. But he came in a manger so that 33 and a half years later, he could die on a cross for you. And he died on that cross. And he shed his blood because without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. It was his blood that paid for your sin. They put him in a tomb, but three days later he came out. He arose. He wasn't there. Why? <coughs> because the wages of sin is death. <coughs> He paid for it. It was accepted by God. Death could no longer hold him because sin was paid for. That's what when he talks about him being the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world, the propitiation. He was everything that God required. It met every legal requirement, every spiritual requirement. It met everything that was required of God that that sin problem be taken care of. Jesus he's the one that offers you this gift of peace and if you're here and you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you've never been saved if you've never been born again we could go through all the different terminologies if you've never humbled yourself as a sinner and sought forgiveness God's ready to give you that forgiveness and that forgiveness is in Jesus Christ (coughs) but you're the one that must repent you're the one that must have the faith to believe and trust him. Not yourself, but trust Jesus. Christians, you've got the gift of peace. I don't know what you're gonna face this coming year, oh, but I want you to begin by knowing that Jesus Christ has left you his peace. And with a clean heart and with his resources, with fellowship being hand in hand with Him, you can have peace amidst whatever, a peace that comes from within. That's when the Bible talks about that peace that passeth all understanding. It doesn't even make sense. I know the world will think you've kind of gone a little loopy, that something's weird, something strange about this person, but we're talking about being able to face life, whether it's at its best or whether it's at its worst, because of the wonderful gift of peace that Jesus Christ has left us. Father, we thank you this morning for our time together. Thank you, Lord, for just a reminder. These are familiar verses. These are familiar scriptures that we read time and time and time again. But yet still sometimes, Lord, in the pace of life and the things that we go through day by day, we can become over-anxious and over-fearful and we can feel things that we ought not to when Jesus has left us the gift of his peace, a peace that we can have amidst anything and everything. I do pray, Father, that if there is one in this congregation this morning that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then I pray that this day you would speak to their hearts as only you can. I pray that they would recognize not only the need to deal with their sin, but that Jesus is waiting with outstretched arms and he has dealt with their sin for them. I pray, Lord, for every Christian that is here today. I pray, Lord, that whatever that is ahead of us in the year ahead, Lord, I pray that you will help each one to accept that that gift of peace that you've left with each one, the gift of peace that they can have right now that comes from within in remembering just what it is, just what it is that they have in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us that through all of this new year, Lord, that we can much more so than this past year and the years before help us to be more like our Savior, to face life as he faced it, that others can see more of him in us. We give you all the praise in Christ's name. Amen.